Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 39 of Season 4 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a hilarious and poignant journey through the 1989 Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan rom-com, One Harry Met Sally, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Lisa Leahy of Rabbit Hole Podcasts. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thanks, Rob. Very excited to be here still. Yeah. At least you didn't replace me midway. I'm done. Nope. I must be doing something right. No, no, no. Why Why would I want to replace you midway? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was so, too high maintenance for you yesterday. Nah, nah. You're 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 LM. It's fine. <laughs> so the words every girl wants to hear. Of course, of course. <laughs> I don't know. Would would someone prefer, does someone want to be considered low maintenance or high maintenance? What what would you think? I think people want. I I, I think the most of most of us girls want to be considered low maintenance because high maintenance from somebody that you want to date is, it generally it, you're saying that you're too much. You know, you're a little extra, and that's not always seen as a positive. I don't think. Uh huh. Okay, that that's fair. So minute thirty nine begins with Harry uh, continuing to to feel down on himself and ends with Harry moaning, while we just get to see half. Half of the screen. <laughs> I love the moaning. Yes. So yesterday we ended things with, with Harry once again, uh, starting to get down on himself. And he says, I'm definitely coming down with something. Probably a 24-hour tumor. They're growing around. A 24-hour tumor. Keeps coming. And then Sally responds, you don't have a tumor. How do you know? <laughs> if you're so worried, go see a doctor. No, they'll just tell me it's nothing. <laughs> Will you be able to sleep? If not, I'll be okay. What do you do? I'll stay up and moan. Maybe I should practice now. <laughs> and he starts moaning. Good night, Harry. <laughs> and he continues moaning. It. And then good night. <laughs> and then the, I mean that's all the dialogue we have for this for this episode for this minute. But it, it's great. Well, it's a lot of moaning in this particular yes. minute. <laughs> yes. They they actually spend a lot more time with the moaning than than you would think that they would need to. I love it. I absolutely love it. It shows that he's going to stick to his plan. Correct. That's one of the things, but also it it shows that, you know, that Rob Reiner feels that this is an important thing to have there. You know. Yep. So it, I'm thrilled. You know, it's not <laughs> it something me up. It's one of my favorite moments. Right. I mean, it's one of one of those things that that you don't have to, you know, most movies would would cut something like this. They'd shorten it. They'd have less seconds of showing uh, you know, a character on-screen moaning, but but they don't care here. You know, as far as they're 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 concerned, it's it it helps add to um, for us learning about the character. We're we're still even though we're 39 minutes into the movie, we're still learning about these characters. You know, about how uh, intricate and crazy they both can be. You know, throughout the. I love it though. I really like that that like it, it's. It's that gimmick that they do, you know, like on Family Guy. It's that it's that comedy thing where you do the bit, it's funny. You do the bit too long, it's no longer funny. And you keep doing it until it becomes funny again. You know, like it, the moaning is kind of that sort of thing where you think he's just going to moan a couple of times. But he just keeps on going until it becomes funny again. I think there's a certain appreciation for commitment to comedy. Everything gets cut off too short nowadays instead of people really reveling in whatever it is they're committing to. So I appreciate it for sure. Do you think he's he's like a hypochondriac here? What, what do you think? Or is Entirely. this just his depression? 
no, this is it. I think he's a hypochondriac. I think he's using it in that when we get into that low mode where every last thing is making everything worse. Um, you know, so it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm depressed. I've been left. Oh, I'm developing a sniffle. It must be a tumor. Oh, at the same time, you know, the paper boy forgot my paper. You know, like this, there's always something. And so the more you can come up with, the more pathetic you are and the more sympathy you might be able to garner from someone. No, I absolutely believe he's a hypochondriac. And he's always throwing crap at her and her idiosyncrasies. And now he's, you know, he's being just as silly. Right. Do you, do you know what the, the real term of hypochondria is? I don't. Or It's called a hypochondri- uh, hypochondriasis. Which is a condition in which a person is excessively or unduly worried about having a serious illness. Oh. Okay. Basically, it the, you know it's people that that become unduly alarmed if they have any physical or psychological symptoms that they detect, no matter how minor they may be or anything like that, and they're obviously convinced immediately that they are about to be diagnosed with a serious illness along the way. Yep. You see, I I. Yep. Perceived by him saying that it, it, you know I, I'm coming down with a 24-hour tumor, it's, it's just his 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 humor here. I think it's his humor, but I also think that he's not actually sick. And he's no. Do I believe that he has an actual tumor? No, but I think that he's somebody who's covering the hypochondriacism, if that's a word, um, with this thing about the tumor. He's looking to get a, attention. But like, I mean, why does he need? There- why does he need to get attention from Sally? He needs attention from anybody. We saw a scene when he wasn't even talking with her, and he's sitting there reading the book where he's got the thermometer in his mouth, and he's got the medications. I think this is just him. Okay, but but also we, we know of Harry as this, this guy with a very dark side to him. Mm-hmm. You know, the hypochondria is not a dark side that's you know just he's it's it's his i think here it's his depression it could be you know do, do, what what other movie can you think of where someone says it's not a tumor well that's um kindergarten cop that's right <laughs> and <laughs> schwarzenegger yeah it's, that it's wasn't funnier. on our list of, of, of quotes was it no 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 it's not really no not at all <laughs> you hear that one far more often than uh you know it's it's chinatown jake correct that's probably true <laughs> You know, and and I love the way this whole minute works, where we see the split screen at this point. You know, it's it's the opposite view of what we saw the last few days. We actually see them lying in bed in their faces, and we see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, Harry Harry's sitting there, you know, playing with his uh, uh, remote control, and and Sally is continuing, you know, to get ready for bed. You know, with everything. And she's got a she whole does. process. Yep. She's got a whole process, and it's and also, that's the other thing. I was thinking about the the high maintenance, low maintenance thing. And it's like, of course, she's got this whole process for going for bed. She's going to take her glasses off, her reading glasses. The reading glasses have a little leash around her neck so they don't, so she doesn't lose them. She's got to put the book. She's going to put the glass. She's going to put it on the table. And then she's going to pull up the sheets, do the little frilly sheets. It's going to get right up to her chin and she's all set. And then she's like, oh crap, I got to turn that light off. And then she's like, oh man, I don't want to get out of the bed. And it made me think of myself again, like you were asking in my high maintenance or low maintenance. And I'm thinking about like what I need to do to go to bed. And I'm like, gosh, I'm a high maintenance. <laughs> like crap, <laughs> crap, I'm high maintenance. But that's only because I have various injuries and things that I have to look out for. Like I have to wear. So you're also a hypochondriac, you're telling me. No, 
I'm not. I have actual ailments, <laughs> authentic ailments. No. So my husband snores, and so he's got the, the he's got sleep apnea. So he wears the CPAP machine. Um, I have to wear like wrist braces to bed because I get carpal tunnel. And in, when I go to sleep, I'll curl my hands under like this, and so I end up with awful like my. You do realize right nobody can see what you're doing. I know that, but I'm showing you what I'm doing. And people, I guarantee you, people who are listening know exactly what I was just doing with my arms. Like you curl your wrists under and you get all nice and cozy. Um, but when you sleep like that for a number of hours, you wake up with your right arm numb. So stop doing that. But so I sleep with wrist braces and my dentist made me get a mouth guard because I was grinding my teeth. So it's like I've got the mouth guard, I've got the wrist braces, plus I like to listen to like thunderstorm sounds to help me sleep because when my husband snores, it wakes me up. So I have one of these headbands that has like the earphones in them. So I wear that to bed, plus the night guard, plus the wrist braces. I must look like a ridiculous, crazy person. And I'm like, crap, I'm hiding. Wait, when you're sleeping or now? (laughs) When I'm sleeping, not now. Okay. Now I have my stupid ear, my my stupid cat ear headphones on, which everybody wishes they could see because you were wi- you wish you were as cool and hip an adult as I. Yeah, of course. <laughs> with my ten year old cat ear uh, headphones. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You should have been on next week where we talk about you know people making uh, you know meowing sounds, but whatever. There it is. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> you, I can't you missed out on that one. Every five minute stretch, I guess, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But did you notice what what Sally has? Like she's she's lying in bed talking to him, but she has a book on her. She has a newspaper mm-hmm. on her. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did did you know what she's? Did you see what she's holding in her hand? No. A pen. Oh, she's one of those. She's probably doing the crossword in the paper. That is. Or she's making notes in the book. That is my guess. My guess is she's doing the crossword. Okay, yeah. so before we get to that, did you see the title of the book? I could not see the title of the book. I was watching on my phone, ah, so I okay. couldn't see it. Okay, that's fair. So the book is called Making Life Right When It Feels All Wrong. Oh, Sally. So I was the, really hoping for some fiction. So this is actually a book that we saw in the bookstore uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> that so, makes sense to me in the self-help section. So, so I guess she decided that she was she was either going to buy it after after she was there with Marie or she actually mm-hmm. already had it. You know who knows. Oh, so I just find it funny. But you know, so it seems that she's doing a crossword puzzle. So what what do you know about the history of crossword puzzles? Absolutely nothing except for the fact that the New York Times was getting itself into trouble last week with theirs. That's the best I can give you. Okay. All right. So a crossword is a word puzzle that usually takes the form of a square or a rectangular grid of white and black shaded squares. The goal is to fill the white squares with letters forming words or phrases by solving clues, which lead to the answers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the phrase crossword puzzle was first written in 1862. No kidding. Yes. Um and they began appearing in magazines uh, in 1873. And then in Italy, there was an Italian magazine that in 1890 started having them. It was a four by four grid with no short shaded squares, and it included both horizontal and vertical clues. Hmm. Um, in England during the 19th century, they were of what's known as elementary kind. Apparently derived from from uh, a, a uh, game called Word Squares, 
which is a group of words arranged so the letters read alike vertically and horizontally. And they would have them in uh, puzzle books and periodicals and things like that. The first word cross puzzle was done in 1913 in a magazine called The New York World. That is basically what we use. It's, I guess it's the father of what, what they use nowadays. Um, this puzzle is, is usually cited as the very first crossword puzzle, and Arthur Wynne is the is known as the inventor of it. Hmm. And at some point, the, the, an illustrator, uh, whether on purpose or or by accident, switched the words around. So instead of being a word cross, it became known as a crossword. Oh, um, gotta love those happy accidents. Yeah, seriously. Well, again, I don't know if it, if it really was an accident or not. It might have been. On purpose, but at some point it was changed. I was like, "Damn it! I prefer this." Yes, <laughs> it's like uh, I, I always love the fact of how they got the name Amerigo. You know, they just couldn't read the name Amerigo. You know, Amerigo <laughs> Vespucci just couldn't didn't have good penmanship. So let's let's call everything America instead. <laughs> um, uh, so they in the New York World they started having it as a weekly feature. And then in, in the Pittsburgh Press, they started publishing them in 1916, and the Boston Globe started in 1917. So after that, it just started getting more and more uh, popular. They started putting them in books. You know, they would have books of crosswords that would come out. Yep. And the first time that the word crossword appeared in the Oxford Dictionary is in 1933. Uh, when do you think they started having them in the New York Times? Ah, uh, the 40s. Very good. 1942, February 15th. See, I got smart. I stopped coming up with a specific date, and now I'm going for ranges. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're getting closer. That's good. <laughs> and the, the reason what, – what would you think would be the reason that it was started in 1942? Uh, something to do because of the, the war. Um, you getting there? You're the, getting there? The lack of, yeah, the lack of uh, publishing and such, I'd say probably to, to deal with the fact that there was no entertainment, no? No, nope, it was a way to distract people from the, the harsh reporting of the war. Oh, okay. To give them something fun to do along the way. Makes sense. Yeah. Did you know that that, that the New York Times has only had four crossword editors in since 1942? So in 81, in 81 years, they've only had four editors. The first editor was a woman named Margaret uh, Petherbridge Farrar, who was the editor from 42 to 69. Um, then Will Wang became uh the uh the, the editor followed by eugene maleska and do you know the name of the current uh editor from since 1993 will shorts good on him so the Although new york times used his, to have uh, there, some there, of his crap yeah there used to be a way on the new york times to to do the uh the cross do some of the crosswords online um mm -hmm. they, they i don't think they allow you to do it anymore but um, I used to do the the kids crosswords, which were hard enough. You know. Yeah, online. that's just I don't do them. I a, I, I love those because they with... would they would give they would they would be th they would be thematic. You know, like things dealing with with the geography or things dealing with the movies and you know stuff like that. And I would spend time and I I had a lot of fun with that. But I can't do a real crossword puzzle, not for the life. No, of me. I don't have enough useless information. Like my useless information is very categorized. My useless information so is all, all about the movies. Other things I can't do. So yeah, exactly. Know, like, you know, or like identifying pictures of people. So I play an app on my phone called Wordscapes, 
which gives you six letters and it gives you a crossword. So it's all words that come from those six letters. So it's kind of like a jumble crossword. Okay. I do that. Um, but, you know, even that I do in bits. So. Wow. So there is a, uh, there's someone in a, in a crossword puzzle that's listed in the Guinness Book of World's Records. There is a man from uh, Roger, a man named Roger Squires from uh, England. He is the most prolific crossword compiler. And on May 14, 2007, he published his 66,666th crossword, which was the equivalent of about 2 million different clues. Wow. Wow. Because he would yeah, send... Yeah, no, that's... I don't have that kind of... He would send his, his stuff to the Times, the Daily Telegraph, the Guardian, Financial Times, and the Independent. He also holds the record for the longest word ever used in a published crossword. The 58-letter Welsh town... I'm not even going to try and pronounce this. Gogash, <laughs> something like that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. that That's just uh, – I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. Anyone who knows Welsh, you know, I'll, I'll – I'll, uh, you yeah, know, I'm not going to know. <laughs> you can try and figure out that 58-word uh, thing on your own. <laughs> nope. Not not going not gonna, to uh, be for me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and then the split screen does a very interesting thing. You know, Sally goes to sleep and the light just goes out. Mm-hmm. Yep. But we still see half a screen, which in He's most movies yep. they would they would zoom in and just have it, you know, become a full screen. Be him. And here they don't. They they let us still see the the darkness where where Sally is sleeping. You know, once again, it gives us the impression that the two of them are sleeping next to each other. Which is cute. You know, it's still that intimacy. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I like what you pointed out about the fact that that we can see how she, you know, Sally has her ritual. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's all done in a very uh, specific way, the way that uh, it's very she does precise. That. Yes, for sure. So that's uh, great. So you have anything else for this minute before we get into the uh, script? No, I just love the moaning. <laughs> I just love that moan because we all do that moan. Yes, we all do that <sighs> sound, but he just keeps doing it. <laughs> Every exhale, it's my favorite. I love it. Yeah. So this is actually one of the the few minutes in this movie where there is nothing different between the script and the the actual movie itself. The moaning was perfect from page to screen. <laughs> Exactly. So every Thursday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track uh, mm-hmm. Dating Slash Courting Edition, where my guests will give a little story, yes. uh, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, or something that happened to them over the course of their life, lives that uh, is somewhat related to dating or courting. So what, what kind of story do you have for us, uh, Lisa? So um, my first story that I told earlier in the week was more about like sort of a, a flop in dating. Um, I'm going to go with a success in dating on this one and talk about again, online dating. Yeah. See, I like to think so. I mean, we're talking about, we're getting toward the end of my time on, on talking about when Harry met Sally and, you know, there's a happy ending. So I got to get my happy ending in there. So um, met my husband online dating 
and reached out to him. I said earlier in the week that I often was ignored and couldn't even get like second dates, let alone couldn't even get a first response to the emails that I sent out on these websites. So I met my husband on an app called OkCupid. I really liked OkCupid better than a lot of the other ones because I'm a book nerd. And one of the profile questions was, what was the last book you've read? And so you get a lot of people who are like, I don't read or, oh, I read, you know, Playboy on the toilet. You know, people like this, I looked at and I went, okay, move along. Uh, You and I are not going to get along. I don't need somebody who's reading, you know, Dostoevsky for fun, but I need you to have read a book at some point that you could come up with and put it in this profile. So came across this guy who had read Mark Danielewski's House of Leaves, which is a really crazy brain breaker of a horror book. Um, And I had never met anybody in my life who knew what the book was, let alone had read it. So I was like, you know what? This is a guy I want to reach out to and message. So sent him a message. I hope there was something else interesting in the profile also besides the fact that he had read the book. This was the kicker. This is what grabbed my attention. Well, I, I'm going to sound shallow, but he was tall enough. <laughs> okay. I'm five foot ten. I like a guy to be taller than me, and he's like six two. So I was like, okay, so that's good. This is good. You know, he works full time. He's, you know, he seems like he's got his life together. This is good. So, but House of Leaves was really the kicker. It got my attention. Um, sent the email saying, hey, you know, blah, 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 whatever it was I said, you know, mentioned the book. Convinced I wasn't going to hear from him. I did hear from him. Um, chatted for a while. And then he's like, Hey, let's go out this Sunday. I'll take you to dinner. Great. I said yes, because I was in the, the, the brain space where I wasn't going to say no to a date. Um, this date, our first date was the night of the Oscars, February 26th in 2012. Um, the, the Oscars are my Super Bowl. You understand. I I completely understand. I'm like, um, I, the whole way there, I was talking to a friend of mine. I'm like, this guy better friggin' be worth it because, I'm not seeing the Oscars and I'm going to, I went home, I taped them, I DVR the Oscars and I went and watched them. We were at a, a sushi restaurant and they were on the TV behind me. I wouldn't even face the TV cause I would have been rude to this guy. Um, <laughs> you know, the whole nine, the whole nine thing, you know, brought me to my car, very sweet kiss after the date. you know, had a next date lined up. So it was very nice. Uh, Long story short, too late, couple of things. One, I find out that he had turned, he had been with somebody the week prior and she had broken up with him. She had broken off the relationship a week before. He turned his profile back on maybe 12 hours before I messaged him, which I thought was cool. Um, He did turn out to be worth it. So it was okay with the Oscars. And we used a copy of House of Leaves as the guest book at our wedding. Oh, wow. Um. Because it's got all these weird – if you ever Google the book and you look at the pictures, there are these weird – it's not a standard novel where, like, every page is full. Like, there are pages where it's, like, one word over here. There's, like, words along the margin. But it was great because we could use it as as the guest book. Um, The other fun fact is, you know, I I found this guy because of a horror book. My husband doesn't like horror. (laughs) So it was, like, all of these fun little things lining up, you know. so that's my my cute little story. That's great. That, that's a great story. I like it. Now, does, yeah. does, do 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 you let him take you out on, on Oscar night anymore, or only if you're no, going? He knows or, better. Or only if you're going to go to, <laughs> to the uh, you know go to L.A. the uh, oh what, damn what's the name of the venue that they that they do the Oscar the uh, the Kodak Theater. Yeah. I don't know if they do in the Kodak Theater anymore. I don't remember. But I was going to say only if he takes you there. <laughs> Yeah, they, they're doing their new theater and stuff. There's there's going to be an Oscar museum out there. I don't know if that's this year or next year, but 
um, it's coming. And at some point yeah. I will get there, but no, he knows better. He doesn't ask me to, we don't go out and it's Oscar night. <laughs> Yeah, I, I luck out. The, the Oscars start at 3, 3 a.m. for me, so I don't have to worry about uh, being out. Oh. I just have to get up. Yeah, no, you you're know? good. And I and I get up. You know, I've I've only missed it Look twice. I've only missed it twice over the last 30 years of having to do that. One time because my, my cable went out, which was really annoying. Oh. And the other time because I, I, I actually went I went to go see it at my mother's house because she had the cable channel that it was supposed to be on. And when I got there, I found out that that, that that particular year they changed the uh oh, what channel they, they changed who was carrying it and i was like I, I was i was like i remember i was texting jay in the middle of the night and he was telling me like who's winning and things like that oh my gosh yeah yeah i become obnoxious on facebook like i'll live live post the whole time and just be like yep if you don't like me it's time to unfollow me because i'm going to be obnoxious right. okay <laughs> i understand that all right great do you want to tell people once again how they can find lisa lee sure so you can find me and all the other rabbit hole network uh, podcast shows on rabbitholepodcasts.com. You can catch me on shows like Whatever with Jason Soto, Between the Scares, and you can listen to back episodes of The Sib List. You can also catch me quite frequently on The Lambcast. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, Move Your Minute. Dot com. So, Lisa, you feel like coming back in tomorrow to finish this off, finish off this week? I think I think I can hack it. I think so. All right. So, until tomorrow, I'll have what she's having. I'll have what she's having. Gave me a thrill with all your faults. I love you still. It had to be you. Wonderful you. Had to be you